0: A reading from the book of John. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and known in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. so that they may be one, as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong in the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
1: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, good morning as we get into uh, this gospel text from John today. I thought I'd start by just giving, as I often do, a little bit of historical and literary context um, of this passage. Um, First, uh, what I mean by literary context is the story context, like what's going on inside the story, uh, inside this scripture passage um, that might uh, inform our understanding of this text. Well, first of all, you should know that in, we're in chapter 17 in John's gospel right now. And um, John's gospel uh, in, well, the, this, this, this period of John's gospel here, chapter 17, actually, uh, it starts in chapter 14. So 14, 15, 16, 17, is all takes place in one scene. Um, And uh, we might uh, best know it as like the Maundy Thursday. This is the Thursday uh, before Jesus' arrest and and, uh, his uh, his crucifixion. Um, This is that Thursday where Jesus famously washes the disciples' feet um, as uh, showing them uh, how they are to love and lead in this world. And these four chapters, uh, 14 through 17 in John's Gospel, they're what's known as the farewell discourse, because Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry, the end of his time with his disciples, the end of his life. And he is kind of laying out for them. you know, uh, the, the plan on how to move forward, right? Uh, he's helping them to make sure that they understand what his ministry has been all about. And then now helping them to move forward. And today, uh, in today's gospel, which is kind of rambling and, uh, it's a mouthful, uh, is really kind of a love poem, a a love prayer that Jesus is offering, uh, to God uh, on behalf of his friends, uh, his followers. Um, there is a lot of anxiety in the air during this time for Jesus and his disciples a lot of uncertainty Um, you know Judas by this time has already kind of um, done what he's going to do and the authorities are going to come after Jesus now Uh, so Jesus kind of knows the writing on the wall the disciples I'm sure are picking up on his anxiety um, and, uh, and they know that this arrest is coming and that all the bad things that will follow. Um, and uh, Jesus wants to be sure um, that, that even though with all this anxiety and, and fear and uncertainty, that uh, still, even with all that, the disciples are equipped, that they're, that they're ready, um, and that they, are, uh, that they can take on this mission, this uh, this movement that Jesus uh, began, and that they can continue the work that he did. So this is kind of the literary inside the text. This is like what surrounds this gospel passage within the story itself today. There's also some historical context that I think uh, gives us, uh, informs our understanding of this text a little bit. Now, keep in mind that there's this context inside the story that I just spoke about. And then this context behind the story, right? Those who write this story, who put down, you know, pen to paper, right? Or pen to scroll, uh, these memories and these stories about Jesus. And so when we talk about that community, we're talking about John's community, right? The the writer of the gospel, John, and the community that that uh, writer represents and all the stuff that's going on in that community, because John is not only a writer, but he's also a pastor, like all of the evangelists. And so the historical context here, what's happening behind the text, actually happens at a later time. It happens around the year 90 uh, of the Common Era. And so this is a good two full generations after uh, the death of Jesus. Um, So we're getting out a little bit, you know, uh, in time-wise from the actual historical Jesus, Um, but probably there's that uh, fact. And then there's also the fact that 90 comes after a very like pivotal uh, kind of central moment in the history of Judaism of which Christianity comes and that's the destruction of the temple uh, in Jerusalem by uh, the Roman Empire and the and the destruction of the holy city Jerusalem itself and the dispersion of Jews um, around the world and not only were people kind of sent you know kind of Um, you know for their own safety and and for looking you know to to flee the violence and the destruction and looking for new possibilities of existence and hope but there was all it was also a time when Judaism was trying to re-identify itself it was trying to understand in new ways uh, it's you know what what would make you what makes somebody Jewish and um, because up until the destruction of the temple, a lot of that identity went into the temple itself, where God's presence was most profound. Right? It was most um, uh, there, and um, and so uh, when the when the temple gets destroyed. Jewish communities had to re, kind of, you know, wrestle with that. What did that mean when the temple's gone? When the holy city's gone? What does that mean in terms of understanding their God and and their identity to God? And the transfer of God's most profound presence kind of goes for a stream of Judaism goes from being in the temple itself to in the teaching of the Torah, the reading and the teaching of the Torah, uh, the five books the first five books of the Bible and uh, this becomes this transfer of identity and so uh, uh, this is how they understand where God is most present in that teaching process that, that proclamation process of the Torah there's another stream of Judaism that's Christian Judaism at this time and Christian Judaism is similar in terms of transferring God's profound presence uh, but what Christians come to see is that God is most profoundly experienced in the life of Jesus. Uh, So the life and that including the teachings and the healings and the ministry, the sacrifice, death and resurrection of Jesus. So there is this, uh, this is a time when uh, Judaism is trying to re-understand itself. And uh, the stream that kind of sees God's presence in the Torah is the rabbinic Judaism, Pretty much the predecessor of what we, Judaism, we know today, and then the Christian Judaism, which is the predecessor, our ancestors. Now, at the time, though, uh, the mainstream religion, the mainstream religious establishment at that time, uh, was not a big fan of how Christian Jews uh, were understanding god 's presence, and hence there was a lot of ostracization there was a lot of marginalization um, and kind of cutting off of that community uh, from the mainstream religious community the cultural community uh, so there was it was there was a lot of um, fear anxiety tension um, worry, uncertainty, um, and there was a lot of questioning going on for John's community around the year 90. And you can see this in the gospel itself, and probably this is what provokes John to write the gospel, right, his gospel in the first place, uh, is because his followers are beginning to question the decision uh, that they've made uh, to follow Jesus in this world And uh, because of all the repercussions uh, for doing so, right, there's the religious repercussions. And I didn't even mention the political repercussions by the Roman Empire, right? They were persecuted and killed uh, by uh, the Roman government. And so this, historically, this is a very anxious moment too. Inside the story, the literary context, a lot of anxiety. Historically, a lot of anxiety as well that 's a lot of context, but now let me jump into just a few things that I see in this passage that I think are um, are worth noting and and might be important for us first, uh, given all that and you know there 's all this anxiety there 's all this uncertainty and a lot of questioning about uh, and doubt about the decisions they 've made for me that made uh, that imp- that important context uh, helped because in chapter 17, the word give to give is used 17 times, 17 times the word, uh, some conjugation of the word give is used. And, uh, for me, uh, I, 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 I started to see that this giving of, uh, that's being used uh, giving, I give my love, I give my, my ministry, my, you know, my Jesus, everything is just, you know, being given the given you gave me them, God, all this. Um, that start to understand that this is an, a counter, this is an antidote to this questioning and doubting that must have been going on for John's community about the decisions that they've made. Because if we, it's easy to doubt our, it's easy to doubt Um, and, and question the decisions we made if we think that we made those decisions 100%. But I think what John is trying to say here is that this is not just about you followers of Jesus in John's community. This is not just about you making the decision to follow Jesus and kind of live this life given all the repercussions that come along with it. But this is about God. Right? This is about God giving or Jesus giving uh, you uh, to God to carry on this mission in the world. So it there's something bigger at play here. It's not just about the decisions that these disciples, these individual disciples or community of disciples are making, but there's a bigger, larger uh thing happening here uh, that involves God. Uh, giving the disciples to Jesus, Jesus giving the disciples to God to carry on this mission. Last week and the week before, Jesus talked about, uh, you know, you didn't choose me. I chose you or I, uh, I nominated you, right? Or I appointed you, he said, to carry on this mission in the world. Those are in the last two readings from John's gospel. So this has been building up to this idea that this is not about you, followers of Jesus in John's time. It's not just about you. This is about what God is doing through you. And so this is a God-initiated thing. And so knowing that helps a little bit, especially with all the challenges and with all um, the difficulties that come along uh, with following Jesus. Um, I think that the, the, uh, you know, so the giving here also, as I've already mentioned, uh, not only points to how God is initiating this whole thing, but it also talks about what Jesus is doing in his farewell discourse at this last supper at this foot washing last supper this last time that he's going to be with his disciples all this giving is about kind of transferring this identity transferring this his purposes transferring the mission right Uh, the his spiritual strength transferring um, his agency his courage everything that he Manifested and embodied and uh, lived out in this in this world and carrying out that mission, he's transferring uh, here at the um, at the end of his life to his disciples uh, to carry on that work. And then there is um, there's a third there's another thing that I see here that is uh, in I think interesting that uh, this like I said this is a final kind of. Um, uh, like a, a love poem or a love prayer that Jesus is offering uh, up, you know, that is like petitioning God on behalf of his friends, his disciples. And in it, he asks for uh, protection, right? He asks for that God bring protection upon uh, this community of disciples that they might have the the space to uh, to love one another as Jesus loved them as Jesus says so so that they might learn and grow in that love and that they might uh, come to embody right the love that Jesus himself embodied while he walked on this earth there's also the prayer to protect this community from the evil one uh, we can, uh, you know, that evil one. It has all kinds of representatives, uh, then and now, and so there are real external forces that are trying to vie for our attention or draw us away from the love, love of God or distract us from God's purposes in the world. And I think that Jesus is, is you know, realizes uh, his friend's humanity and is asking for God to protect them in the sense that, uh, you know, kind of. Um, create some buffers, right? Allow them to do the work that they've been given to do. And then finally, which I find very interesting is this petition to sanctify his followers. Now, this is a term we don't throw around lightly in the Episcopal church. In some traditions, they talk about sanctification and stuff a lot more easily. Um, but, but we don't as much. And I think as close as when we think about to sanctify, typically we think about sanctifying is like blessing something, right? Uh, to, to bless, uh, something or someone, um, to make someone uh, or something holy. But I don't think this is, um, I mean, I think it is to make them holy, but I think uh, it's not simply just to bless them. I think it's uh, the sanctification process that Jesus is is asking God for here is connected to everything that has gone down in this farewell discourse, right? Uh, And his life. And and that's like the foot washing where Jesus says, you know, if you, if any, want to, lead in this in this community you're gonna to have to lead through service right you're gonna to have to be uh, you're gonna to have to serve others as a demonstration of your leadership and so he wraps the towel around his arm and he watches his disciples feet who kind of you know recoil and shock uh at first and then not really getting what he's up to and then Jesus goes on to talk about to love as he loved to love one another as he loved but that's not this is not hallmark card kind of love right this is challenging love. This is difficult love. This is love willing to break rules and cross boundaries and uh, upset norms, all for the sake of widening that circle, right, of God's community. All for pushing out uh, the boundaries of God's kingdom until everything is enveloped in uh, in the circle. And um, and so. Uh, we in in just prior weeks we you know i've talked about this idea of where jesus uses the metaphor of the grapevine and abiding uh in god that rather than just kind of a passive relaxing in god that abiding really is being in solidarity with jesus's purposes or god's purposes in this world and we know full well that that is an active process that's a process that's not only active but it involves risk and it involves uh it involves, um, you know, us being willing to give uh, up stuff, and uh, and it involves commitment, and uh, so the sanctification process happens. Uh, when Jesus prays for, you know, that that God sanctified us, I hear Jesus praying here that God. Continue to work in our lives, uh, showing, us, showing us how to live like Jesus, how to love like Jesus, how to fight like Jesus, uh, how to give like Jesus in this world each and every day until and, and in doing that in that process of doing that each and every day, we become more and more sanctified. I think this passage relates not just to the disciples, uh, not just to the followers of John's community, but to us uh, too, because sometimes we too find ourselves in these moments of anxiety, and these moments of uncertainty, uh, these moments of questioning the decisions we've made in life or in our faith. And um, Jesus's prayer today Helps us to realize that that we are an extension of John's community, right? In the year ninety, we too, uh, that Jesus, John is remembering Jesus here, uh, and we are drawn into that as well. And then in the story itself, that Jesus praying uh, to God for his disciples, that we too are an extension of that story, drawn into uh, this moment and and uh, allowing. Jesus's prayers uh, to pour uh, over us as well, and and in in this realization, we are we are given Jesus's mission and his love to carry on in this world. Uh, Jesus prays for our protection too, as I talked about, and he shows us how we too are sanctified uh, and to love like him uh, and and live like him in this world. So my prayer uh, today is that Jesus' prayer for his disciples and John remembering this prayer for his own community, that this become a reality, that we too feel this prayer and may we receive with open arms uh, Jesus's identity for ourselves Jesus's mission for ourselves, his mission of love and justice that he began here on the earth. And may each new day for each one of us sanctify us in real ways, in ways of solidarity, uh, in active ways, and make us just a bit more holy and a bit more like Jesus. Amen.